Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. That music you hear is from my son, Sam Brandt, music producer out in L.A., and he is here with me. Not actually physically with me as I record this, but having him home from L.A. this week, which is really nice to have. Uh, so proud of what he's accomplishing out there. Boy Blue Tunes, if you want to check out more of his stuff. Got some rants today, mostly about NFL stuff in the offseason. Yeah, we'll revisit the Aaron situation. Got some more Packer stuff I want to give you some cool stories on and talk about Tebow, as everyone is. And then I've got some thoughts on the NBA play-in, which is going on this week as we record this on Thursday, May 20, uh, 2021. So first, let's go right to it. This is the continuation for the past four weeks of the guy I know well, the team I know so well, and the standoff or imbroglio, that's my word, between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Listen, there's no new news, obviously. Um, It seems to be rumor and innuendo are all we get about this. A lot of people ask me, why isn't Aaron talking? Listen, having been a representative on the player's side, I totally get it. He doesn't want to say anything that can be interpreted the wrong way. He doesn't want to say what his beef is about the Packers because it could be in this situation where you just can't walk it back. Uh, This is a highly followed situation from all sides. Any inkling of information that people get, they're going to run with. But at the end of the day, I continue to feel that this is something that's going to be worked out because, number one, players can't trade themselves. The Packers don't want to trade them. It's cap prohibitive, beyond cap prohibitive, to trade them in 2021. And I'll say something I've been saying on this podcast for a year now. The Packers will trade Aaron Rodgers, okay? It's, but it's not going to happen in 2021 because the moment they took Jordan Love, as I keep saying, they started the clock on the expiration of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers knows as well as anyone in the world that when you're a first-round quarterback, you're going to play. It's only the question of when. And in my opinion, the when in the Packers' mind has been 2022. It's when the cap hit lightens. It's when Jordan Love will move into 2021 as the backup and learn. And that's what the plan was and still is. And I continue to say Aaron's problem has been I'm not down with that. Why do I do that? What does that have for me in it? So I think there'll be a financial, quote-unquote, apology for taking Jordan Love. On the plus side right away, I think 2021 should have more money. But I also think there should be some, and this is I wrote about in Sports Illustrated and talked about last week, not so much a void. I'm softening that stance as I talked about last week. But... Aaron's supposed to make $25 million next year. I think next year, again, 2022, I think probably $10 million of that, maybe more, should be moved up into a March roster bonus. So we don't go through this again next year. So the Packers have to make a decision. Now, this year they paid him $6 million. They don't want to trade him. Even if that was prohibitive to trade him, you know, they're not going to trade him. Next year, if they pay him $10, $12 million in March, they're not going to trade him. Now, again, stranger things have happened. But if you give someone that kind of money, they're going to play for you. So my sense is you have an early March roster bonus. They have to make a decision right away, trade them or not. Aaron probably wants what I mentioned last week, which is a void, um, which is to get out of the contract next year and pick his team, a la Tom Brady. The Packers would get no compensation from that. So the Packers, if that's discussions going on or fighting that, understandably so. 
So I guess what I'm saying as I sort of bring this to fourth week discussion is I get all sides. I really do. For people to call Aaron a diva or to call the Packers this or that, put yourself in those shoes as I've been on both sides. I get it. I get the Packers wanting to have their plan, quote unquote, have their cake and eat it too. Their management, they should be able to do that. Players don't make decisions. Players can't trade themselves. They want to trade Aaron Rodgers? Fine. They don't want to trade him in 2021? That's their prerogative. On the other hand, I understand Aaron. He gave him MVP-level play. He'll probably give them MVP-level play again. That's great for the Packers. Is that great for Aaron? Well, he's keeping the seat warm for a 21- or 22-year-old while he's doing it. Is that great? No. Although players do it all the time. So I see the upset angle from Aaron Rodgers, but I see the backer side. I really do. So again, I'm not one of these people you're going to put on this, on the, uh, the label management Green Bay Packers, where I worked for 10 years. And I've heard that there's discord between the person who has my job now, Russ Ball and the Rogers side. And then there's the Rogers side, which again is going to face issues of being a diva and all those kind of things. I get it. So I'm trying to present to you both sides. And the last thing I'll say on this is, listen, let's take a breath. And maybe the media is even moving on now, but at some point they'll move on because there's no action. And they'll look for something to happen in June. I don't think something will happen in June. Okay, so here's the bottom line. Deshaun Watson, before the other issues that came up around him, he's out, he wants traded, it's going to happen, it's going to go, he's going to go five number ones, whatever. No, it's not going anywhere. Russell Wilson, oh, he's gone. He's crazy. He doesn't like it there. Three teams. He's going to go to Chicago or Vegas or, or New Orleans. What? No, no. He's staying. And I think the same thing will happen to Aaron Rodgers. The difference is Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it's not different. Maybe Watson and, and Wilson are gone next year too. But I continue to say Aaron Rodgers will be traded, but not in 2021, but in 2022 if – they can get him on board with that plan again. All right. Speaking of the Packers, I have a rant. That's a good one. I am so honored to see, not honored, honored for them, not for me. I'm so happy to see the Packers who name their Hall of Fame inductees every year. And every year I look at it and say, that's great. I knew that guy a little bit. He was a little before my time or maybe it was during my time, but I didn't know him that well. Well, two guys this year are really part of my time there and I knew him well. Charles Woodson and Al Harris, two cornerbacks, are going to be inducted in the Packers Hall of Fame this summer. And the Packers, like a lot of teams, have a Hall of Fame. It's a little more prevalent with the Packers because of all the history there, and they have this beautiful build-out in Lambeau Field that everyone takes tours when there's not COVID about the Hall of Fame. So it's a really impressive look there the Packers have for the Hall of Fame. I encourage anyone who goes to Lambeau, in season or off, take the tour of the stadium and take that tour of the Packers Hall of Fame. It's awesome. Now two more inductees. Quick words about each. Charles Woodson couldn't have been more impressed with him as a player, but signing him was one of the hardest tasks I've ever had professionally. We looked around a few days into free agency. No one was chasing Charles Woodson. He's like the Heisman Trophy winner. He's been a franchise tag player, and now the Raiders let him go. That's a whole other story. So we're like, what's going on? Maybe he had the stink of the Raiders. Who knows? But he wasn't being chased. So I started calling his agent, Carl Poston. And I kid you not, I called that agent for 31 straight days from mid-March 
to mid-April. And I'm like, I knew we were the only ones trying to sign him. I knew we were the only ones trying to sign him. Maybe at a little inch from Gruden in Tampa, but they weren't offering him anything. I'm like, oh, God, this is so frustrating because I knew he did not want to come to Green Bay. He he just didn't. And I had the question, I had the conversations with the agent over and over again. He's like, what do people do up there? I said, well, I think it's all about football. They said, he would always ask, are any black people up there? I'm like, well, besides the team, not really, but you know, I'm Jewish. I get along, you know, with no Jews up here. So I tried to be the Green Bay Chamber of Commerce with Charles Woodson. And finally, finally, after negotiating against myself for 31 days, he agreed to come. Here's the thing about Charles. The day he got out there in minicamp after the draft, I'm like, oh, my God. I've seen a lot of elite athletes in my time at that point. He was, in one instant, our best player, our best tackler, our best corner, our best safety, our best return person, our best leader, our best communicator on defense. It was really an amazing thing to see. When you see someone in a world of elite athletes be a step, a cut above, that was Charles Woodson. And then, of course, he became a great player for us. He obviously clashed a little bit right away. He wasn't used to a situation like Green Bay, so different than Oakland. He clashed with Coach McCarthy. But he grew to be such a leader, such an important player, defensive player of the year, the best free agent signing perhaps in history besides or even close to Reggie White. So happy that we got Charles and we stay in touch now that he's got a media career and we've uh, communicated a few times. The other one, Al Harris, he was just someone that I knew from the day I met him uh, he was going to be a coach, and he is that with the Chiefs and Andy Reid. Came from Philadelphia, came in as a pro. He's just a pro, professional guy. Uh, I always liked seeing Al Harris around the team. Players gravitated towards him, young guys. And just he would come up to the front office. He talked to me about front office kind of things, like, are we paying this guy? Are we going to sign this guy? Uh, one of my true favorites, Al Harris and you know, it's an interesting story. We did that body scan DEXA test for body fat. I think Al Harris had like 2% body fat. It was uncanny. You know, they show the red on your body when there's body fat. He only had red like between his fingers, his thumb and his forefinger, where you have a little fat pad. We didn't see any other red. Like, he's an amazing specimen. I'm sure he's imparting that to all the Chiefs corners and safeties. Uh, love it that Al Harris was inducted in the Hall of Fame. Okay, back to the rants in a second. First, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Big stakes, big promotions. It's time. We got the playoffs. As you know, DraftKings Sportsbook gave me a chance to lower the over under a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. So, Again, every better who hammers the over in a featured game helps to lower the under. The best part is that the, as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook offers great promotions, basketball, hockey, so much more. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS, R-O-S-S, when you sign the hammer the over. Again, for every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured basketball game, the line will decrease by one point. It's your chance to improve the odds of hitting the over. So tell your friends and family it's a team effort. Hammer the over. Improve your odds of doubling your money. That's a promo code ROSS for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends 523.21. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER on Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Okay, back to the rants. I feel obligated to talk about Tim Tebow. And my rant is we, we should not talk about Tim Tebow, and I know it's a contradiction, but he's a guy that for many years has drawn conversation. I think we just have to take a deep breath and figure out what this is, and it's not such a huge deal. It's an old coach who's signing a guy he likes, knows professionally and personally to the team to be a backup tight end and be a good force in the locker room. Yes, we can make the arguments that he's going to take a job from someone else. Yes, we can make an argument that he has no business signing with an NFL team after being away so long and just kind of a favor hire. But listen, this is magnified, but this happens all the time in the NFL. Coaches bringing bang, bring in old players they used to coach. Now, maybe it's certainly not the time frame between they played last and what it is now, but this happens. You know, it is a nepotistic business. There are coaches with coaches' kids all over the place. There are scouts that find jobs for other people who you know. And, and basically, this is the world we live in. Urban Meyer is doing a who-you-know hire. And Tim Tebow is going to get a little press today, and then we'll just fall in line and be one of the 90 practice uh, roster players on, on training camp for the Jaguars. I think one thing we've seen about Urban Meyer is he doesn't give an F what people think. I mean, he goes and hires that strength coach that was abusing kids at Iowa and finally had to pull back on that in the heat of the shame from social media. Uh, you know, he says, the, the guy, he tells everyone he's drafting Trevor Lawrence, not the etiquette of the NFL to sort of keep some suspense alive. He drafts Travis Etienne in the first round, said he really wanted Kadarius Tony, but he took Etienne, what the hell? Uh, like, okay. <laughs> and uh, and he says he's going to be a receiver, so you take a running back who's really a receiver, the two with low-value positions in the first round. So, anyway, Urban Meyer doesn't care what we think, and he's in an age and a position in life, like, I'm going to do this. So, ultimately, we're going to see if he's successful or not. We're going to see if the Tebow signing means anything on the field, probably not, maybe a little bit off the field as a young team gets together. And, you know, but I think when we sort of react quickly to, to this Tebow signing and compare it to other signings or other not signings, it is what it is. I mean, when Tebow was years ago and no one was signing him, uh, there was these circuses that came around Tebow. We're past that. You know, this is a one hour, one day story and we move on. And that's a good thing. Uh, so, I don't get too up in arms about Tebow because that's the way the world is. People sign who they like, who they know, who they want to sign. And there's no, you know, governance about this. There's no NFL telling them, no, you shouldn't sign Tebow or no NFL saying you should sign Kaepernick or whatever. You shouldn't sign Kaepernick. That collusion case never went anywhere. So we'll see where it goes. And that's the thought on Tebow. My last rant, I want to talk about the NBA. I've been impressed with the way they're doing this. Now, listen, these aren't the most exciting games, except for the Lakers and the Warriors um, in the play-in game. But listen, every sports league is just desperate for more viewers. And if they're not, if they have enough viewers, they want more viewers, if they, even the NFL. So the primary question you have in programming and running a sports league is what is our maximum exposure? 
and how can we do this? And this is the NBA business model. NBA business model is to have the stars align where you have more teams playing through without giving up, without tanking, keeping interest alive late in the season. Okay, so now 10 teams instead of eight to make the playoffs or the play-in. I don't know if you call them the playoffs. And then you have these games. Before the quote-unquote real playoffs start next week, you have these games. And you had LeBron against Steph Curry, and I'm sure the ratings are boffo. And all I can say is yes. I mean, as a student and analyst of the business of sports, just yes. Yes. Do that. Like, do it. If there's a question of uh, players, uh, I don't want to play in a play in, blah, blah, blah. no, do it. Because if you're the networks and if you're the NBA and you squeeze in 72 games, you're going to squeeze in a playoff game and you give everyone else a break before the real playoffs start. Yes. Because we have to understand these are businesses. They lost a lot of money in pandemic. You're going to see owners in all these sports, and my primary one is the NFL along with the NBA, look under every nook and cranny, under every rock for more revenue streams. And the point I'll make about this ties in with gambling because Adam Silver in 2014 wrote an op-ed saying, let's bring gambling out of the light. Let's keep it away from the darkness. And, of course, they fought it in court because they wanted to do it federally. They didn't want it state by state. And, of course, the court case went state by state, New Jersey starting it. So what do we have? We have a situation where sports betting has been normalized in sports, which just continues to astound me. I saw Baltimore Ravens partnership this week. I saw more teams. Of course, the NFL is now partnering with Caesars. uh, And the NBA is long invested in this. You have all these teams with DraftKings and as the sponsor here. Listen, it's normalized. It has been normalized. Sports betting has been normalized in sports. And I guess I'm bringing this around to the play-in tournament because let's get away from, quote-unquote, the way things always have been done. We're in a new era in sports. We've got a play-in game now in the NBA, and we're never going back. I can tell you that. We're never going back. Eight teams on each conference? No. Why not ten? We're never going back. And then we get to my favorite line about the NFL 17-game season. 16 games is dead. We are never, ever going back to 16 games. Put a stake in the ground on that one. 18's next, probably in the next CBA. And this whole point, again, is that these leagues are looking for revenue streams, partly because of the pandemic, partly because why not? Why not? You know, Roger Goodell wants to get to $25 million billion, uh, re- annual revenues by 2027. They're on their way. They're on their way. So play-in game, sports betting, 17-game NFL season, baseball, shorter double headers, baseball trying to figure out how to have less strikeouts, get more in fan engagement. Yes. Yes. The answer to all your questions is Yes. Hockey doing what it's going to do, lacrosse, soccer, yes, yes. So the theme of this podcast, the theme of what I analyze is more opportunities for revenue, yes. And social taboos have gone away regarding marijuana, regarding sports betting, because the business of sports always wins. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports. Thanks for following me on Twitter at Andrew Brand. Thanks for subscribing, or if you haven't already, please do 
to my Sunday 7 newsletter. It's doing well. I hope more people subscribe. Go to andrew-brandt.com every Sunday morning delivered to your inbox. Sunday 7 news insights, info, content that I don't deliver anywhere else. Thanks to my son, Sam Brandt, who's now with me in the other uh, part of the house. And uh, my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal. Apple comments, podcast rankings are always appreciated. Really appreciate if you do that for us. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.